Welcome to the Nicole Murphy Podcast, where we explore the impact of media and the power of individual stories on the world that we live in today. Enjoy! Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the Nicole Murphy Podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. We are getting into the topic of narcissism. <laughs> this is a hot topic right now. Everyone wants to blame everyone else and call everyone a narcissist and ignore their own narcissistic traits. And But there is, there is an energy of narcissism happening in the world that I believe is very intense and heightened. Yes. So I'm curious, you have a podcast called Neo Narcissism and you do this with two other people as well. Do you want to explain the podcast a bit before we get into this one? Sure. It's called the Neo Narcissism Podcast, um, neonarcissism.tv. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, We are a team. We got together just before COVID um, because we were noticing there was a lot more uh, narcissism like happening, like you said. Um, And I just realized, like all of us realized that um, people weren't really talking about it. And we'd all had personal stories and struggles with narcissism, all different, but a similar sort of end result. And um, we wanted to do something. So Brad, who's on our podcast, he is a psychotherapist, psychologist, and um, he um, worked with us and we set up some I don't know what you would call them, but just some in-person groups, uh, meetings, which had huge success. And then COVID hit and we couldn't meet in person anymore. (laughs) So we decided to start up the podcast so that we could get this information out to people um, in a way that we weren't able to in person. Amazing. Yeah. Now, the reason I started looking into narcissism is because someone called me a narcissist for not wanting to get the jab. Oh. So I got really curious and and I went, well, I don't know the traits of narcissism. So I'm mm. going to go look it up. We'd, I've heard the word. And, the, and I started looking up the traits and I started going, wait a second. No, it feels like they're narcissistic for wanting to have me do the thing they want me to do. Yes. So I'm curious how you saw COVID um, shine a light on narcissism. Mm. Uh, it's a big picture. Um... I think that is a big piece of it. The, I mean, that kind of came later on with COVID too. I think for me, right at the beginning, it was um, just how every, like some of the wording, like we're all in this together. Um, I wear a mask for you. You wear a mask for me. Um, it's uh, this entire, it's an entitlement piece of like, cause that is a, I have the traits beside me here, but they have an, like narcissism has a sense of entitlement, right? But also too, when you're dealing with narcissists, you typically want to be on the side of the narcissist. So if the narcissist is creating this fantasy, these beliefs around, I wear a mask for you, you wear a mask for me, we're all in this together. You want to be on team narcissist because when you are on team narcissist, you're going to get attacked because you're shining a light on the fact that this fantasy they've created, this illusion isn't real. And they don't like that. They don't like the truth to be shot. So really they will get everybody to participate in the fantasy with them, which I think is part of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And then let's go through the traits. Let's, let's go through the traits. What are some traits of, of narcissism and I have a hard time calling people narcissists because I feel like it boxes them in. Although I do know, I've listened to lots of therapists that people who are really steeped in that energy don't mm-hmm. necessarily come out of it. There's an acceptance piece to that. But mm-hmm. let's go through the traits and we'll explore some of that after. We like to call it the spirit of narcissism. I don't know if that helps or not, but oh. it kind of... It doesn't, it, I feel like it's when you identify it as more of the spirit of narcissism, it doesn't mean necessarily that that person is always a narcissist, like you said, boxed in, but that spirit can overtake somebody and then result in these traits. Um, so the traits are, it's, uh, what do I have? I'll just read it out for you here. It's a persuasive pattern of grandiosity and fantasy or behavior, a need for admiration and lack of empathy a grandiose sense of self-importance, preoccupied with fantasies, believes he or she is special, requires excessive admiration, 
as a sense of entitlement, is interpersonally exploitive, lacks empathy, is often envious of others or perceives others as envious of him or her, and shows arrogant, haughty behaviors. What's arrogant, haughty behaviors? Mm, like aggressive, um, haughty is quite a word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like haughty. So like aggressive, yeah, there's like an anger. Yeah, I would say on the spectrum of anger, right? Arrogant, aggressive, haughty, like, um, yeah, aggression would be. Yeah. Now, I'm curious because I listened to that and I've done all the manifestation things where you're like dreaming your life and a lot have come true. Like when I dream and I'm excited about the future, my future does get better. So what's the difference between that versus narcissistic spirit fantasy? Oh, that's a really cool question. Hmm. Well, I get that when you're trying to manifest something, you're manifesting something in reality. Whereas a narcissistic spirit of fantasy is they're forcing everybody into their, their creative, their, the reality they're trying to create, but it's not actually based on truth. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. When you're dreaming and building a life, it's based in truth and it's win-win for everyone. Yeah. When you, this is what I hear you saying. When it's a fantasy, it's it's not based in truth and it's based in trying to get people to do the thing you want them to do. Yeah, the, the example that's coming to me right now is like kids, when they're little, they like to play house. So, you know, a little kid might want to pretend in that moment to be the dad or the mom. And then, you know, their parent, the dad or the mom will pretend to be the kid that that isn't a life you're manifesting in that moment you're just participating in the fantasy and the playing of that fantasy so a narcissist to me that would be more similar they're trying to play house but they're trying to play house and make it their real life and have you participate in playing house with them so mm -hmm. then you're trying to participate in their fantasy of playing house which they want to live in but in your truth that's not really what's happening in the real world does that make sense yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know what, let's get into the controversial bit right off the bat, because we talked about this a bit behind the scenes. How does that idea of the fantasy play into what we see in woke culture right now? <laughs> We're just going to offend people right away. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, okay, aside from right or wrong about it all, but I mean, this gender thing, and even if I take a more extreme example, I don't know if you've heard, again, I don't know how true it is. This is just what you read out there, but there's even children identifying as pets. You heard that one? And yeah. apparently, yeah, the furries and that there's litter boxes in schools and stuff. So, I mean, if we go back to that example of playing house, I mean, if, you, if you're a parent and you have a child who's identifying as, <laughs> I can't even, as a furry, um, you, like my son plays around and pretends he's a dog or a cat occasionally for fun. And then the game stops. But to me, like, that's like, you've decided to take that game and create that fantasy and make it a reality. And then you're like actively participating in it. Your son or daughter is not a cat. There's no truth in that. They're born a human being just because they want to play the game of being cat. Doesn't mean that everybody else has to be forced into participating in their fantasy. And that's where I think we're at with woke culture now, because that becomes deemed as offensive because you, well, you get that so offensive. My child is identifying as a cat. You should be participating in my, you know, this is what I'm hearing. You should be participating in my child and my fantasy that this person is a cat. And if you don't, I'm going to cancel you. Well, where's the truth in that? Yeah. And, and again, this could be heating people up right now because if we go into the gender they're like gender dysphoria is a real thing and i get that i'm about people having free will so mm -hmm. if someone wants to identify as anything i'm okay with that however what i appreciate about what you're saying is that doesn't mean i have to approve of it understand of it and participate in the fantasy yes that's the part that's really challenging right now with woke culture is there you're being strong-armed and forced into participating in the fantasy. Because that's not the reality I'm seeing. When I'm seeing somebody walk on the street, regardless of if they are, whatever they were identifying as, that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a man or a woman. 
I'm not seeing all that other stuff that's going on for them. So that's my reality and that's my truth. And then you approach them and they tell you otherwise, well, that's still not the truth I'm seeing. So it, it, like saying I'm a bad person or trying to cancel me within woke culture because I don't participate in that fantasy, like it's a, it's a hard thing. It's very jarring because you're just really caught off guard. You're living in truth. You're seeing a man, you're seeing a woman. And then you're told something else and then being forced to believe it. <laughs> it's like that, but that doesn't fit. Mm. And it yeah. sounds like that's part of the, the, some of the other traits I've read too is people who are in a narcissistic spirit really deny your experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. So where in your life, as much as you would like to share, has this kind of played out? What have you experienced around the narcissistic spirit? The narcissistic spirit um i think it was always showed up in my life growing up in different ways but i didn't know how to label it or identify it within my family um experiences i had would be interactions would happen with family members and um get really like big and loud and heated and i would take on a lot of the blame because it just like came out of it came out of nowhere right like without explanation the spirit of it right and then it just kind of launched into me as being a target and then you're sitting there going well what the heck as a kid too and like you don't really know or understands what's happening so like as a reasonable person you assume that you participated in creating this right as a reasonable person or as a young child I'm trying to rationalize everything that's happened and like well clearly I'm to blame clearly I did something wrong there's something wrong with me I need to change it and you know and so as a rational accommodating person you're trying to make those changes to prevent that from happening again and then that spirit also would ignore that it ever happened in the first place so then you're just like this is a really big deal for me something huge just really happened that felt catastrophic as a young kid and then it's just completely diminished which is a trait of that spirit as they will um take a, a make a mountain out of a molehill or make a molehill out make a molehill out of a mountain sort of just like <laughs> i'm laughing because i've said that and yeah um and i've done that so that's why i'm laughing and well, we all have yeah 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 and and i'm curious going into this because i've seen narcissistic traits in my family as well majorly and in myself but we're talking that enabling narcissistic like dynamic that codependent dynamic mm -hmm. and i know there's a connection to trauma so it's mm -hmm. very hard to know that and then you know not have empathy for people who are living in that spirit what are your thoughts on that oh that's a big question um yeah, because I've seen it. I've seen the spirit come in. We actually have an episode on the narcissistic spirit specifically, but um, you can see it overtake a person. Um, so you can have, I see what you're saying, like you can see it, you can witness it. I mean, you can see it overtake the person and you know in that moment they aren't really acting out of their true self anymore. Uh, so that would be where the empathy piece comes in. Um, the tricky part about it all is when you're a child and you're a younger kid and you don't have any other information to help you with that, it's hard. And that's where then the, the family's traumas continue to build. Um, as an adult, though, you can, if you have the information and know more about narcissism and armed and equipped with some tools and tips and how to manage it and negotiate it, that makes it easier to engage the empathy. I love that. What are those tools and tips and yeah let's go there um well one thing we talk about in the podcast a lot is the difference between being a doormat a badass and an asshole so typically on that spectrum a narcissist or the narcissist experience will, will be more of the asshole um a victim of narcissism and the spirit will be a doormat so as you kind of, you know, a doormat gets their feet wiped on, they're stepped on all the time, pretty low down on the totem pole, quite victim 
uh, mentality, uh, the asshole, as it says, they're arrogant, haughty, <laughs> aggressive, very controlling. Um, and we like to suggest that being a badass, so riding in the middle of that spectrum, is where you're going to have more success navigating a narcissistic world. And so being a badass means holding boundaries, which narcissists hate. <laughs> Um, not letting yourself get stepped on or walked on as a doormat, um, speaking your truth, uh, speaking truth against a narcissist is a very powerful tool because they don't like hearing that. Uh, and then as a badass, you can hold boundaries, but you can still have empathy and compassion and not become the victim doormat. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough in this world because... I think without us realizing narcissism and the spirit of that has been normalized and projected and arguably that's what the elite of the world function in. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. I don't know every single person, but when we're looking at what happened through COVID and the characteristics and, you know, government control and this and that, like, and, and some more deeper, maybe conspiracies, that's what those in charge of the world are functioning from. How do you not get <laughs> feeling this des despair and desperate about that? It's hard. I, I I hear you. I was just having a conversation with a friend about that this morning. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? It feels nightmarish, right? Especially when you start seeing it. If you're when you're living in it and you're actively participating in, and if you agree with the narcissist and you're happy to participate in that, the what you're saying, the whole world's fantasy about what is you're not it's not painful but as soon as you start seeing it and you can see the differences and you're not in that fantasy you're in a totally different reality it's really hard because you're still being bullied and strong-armed into participating in it um <laughs> <laughs> but would you say like because people always say ignorance is bliss and i just disagree because i think about at times when i was ignorant I was still in pain, but there was like a fogginess to it. There was like a a numbness to it. You don't know how to identify the source of the pain. Yeah, and and so I could say like, oh, you know, it was less painful then, but I don't think it was. I think that's why you seek to get, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's just a different kind of pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it's that blurry, I'm in pain, I don't really know the root cause of it, but I can still carry on with life and participate. You know, you're not getting the, you're not getting the pain of not participating, because the not participating piece is what takes you out of this, out of the group. Right. That's where the, the fear comes in. Yeah, yeah. And when you're not part of the group anymore, well, what does that mean? And there's, you know, so much attached to that because we're groomed, just like you said, in this narcissistic spirit of the world, we are groomed right from day one to participate in it, to be a good person. And what, a, you know, they tell us what the definition of a good person is. And for the last two years, if you weren't wearing your mask and if you didn't agree with that, we're all in this together or that you didn't take the vaccine, whatever it was, you weren't a good person anymore mm. and that's painful because that's not your reality it's quite the opposite it's quite it's literally flipped yeah it's literally flipped yeah i think also there's that morality around narcissism that attracts a lot of narcissists to spiritual leadership not all not mm -hmm. all but i've like yeah i'm just recognizing when when someone's trying to say this is exactly what you do to be a good person and force that on you like that's a big red flag yeah but also too um i think we have an episode that's coming out soon but it talks about the narcissist is is different in their public self private self and secret self um and this sort of neo-narcissistic culture right now the morality, like you're saying, of the public self is very specific, right? You know, like whatever it is, you go to church, you wear your mask, 
you know, you do it, you go to school, you get like, whatever it is, you could bang it, like you could say it in all these different boxes, right? Um, but having that morals, like when you come out across in the public self as having strong morals and checking all those boxes, it justifies your act as an art in the narcissist experience justifies your actions that may not be so good in morals in the private and secret self mm. Mm -hmm. so i'm a good person out here i you know i check out the boxes in this world so that means it's okay to not behave like a good person over here right it's it's again it's a form of mind fuckery and manipulation on themselves yeah because they believe their lies around that. Now, here's something. When I started studying this, I started seeing narcissism everywhere and in everybody and in myself. And it became like, oh, my gosh, how does somebody not get wrapped up into being narcissistic? Because I was I can recognize looking back, I was functioning in a narcissistic spirit, because when you start to like see it everywhere and then try to fix people and like it can become really consuming. Hmm. Um, I know. Um, I had an answer for you. What was I going to say? Can you rephrase it in a different yeah, way? Okay, this is something I've noticed. And maybe I'm just being judgmental. But I've also noticed when, let's say people are coming out of narcissistic relationship. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about the narcissist and blaming and and, and there's like a victimhood to it. Mm -hmm. It's very narcissistic. Yes. So how do you recognize narcissism? maybe recognize people in your life who embody that spirit, mm -hmm. but not get wrapped in that energy of it? Oh, that's a good question. I think at a certain point when it was kind of what you're explaining where you're the victim of the abuse of a narcissist, you're still responsible for healing the wounds they created. And I think that's the piece that is really hard in this society, in this world right now, where it's like, oh, that person did all that to you. That person created all this trauma for you. You know, you have a, an excuse for being, whatever it is, I'm not trying to minimize it, but they incur, like our society also encourages that to continue on. So then those people aren't ever healing and they'll just continue following in the same patterns. But yeah, it, what the wounds the narcissist created on you they were responsible for it, but those people are still responsible for the healing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a piece that's missing in our world too. Just taking, or like having radical responsibility. Yeah. For everything in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm reading, I read this book always called 15 commitments of conscious leadership. And that's the first commitment is really yeah. just radical responsibility. Yeah, because I think what you're saying about, you know, like the victimhood piece of it, you know, it, that's a part of the recovery is recognizing what has happened to you and the wounds that you have tr truly. And that takes a long time to really process and go through. But if you just sit in that and the blame is on that other person, you know, forever, you're never going to give yourself the empowerment to be a badass and to come out into the world differently with boundaries with being healed so that you don't continue to fall into that okay so so let's go into what is the traits and characteristics if you want to kind of spitball with me that counteract narcissistic traits so what can we actively do and how can we show up in the world that counteracts that spirit um with boundaries so i mean that means um you i mean everybody's personal boundaries are going to be different but you have to be aware of what your boundaries are to have boundaries first of all um and be willing to say no or whatever it is because i mean like somebody who continues to fall victim to a narcissist um tends to be overly accommodating um they'll always they're the yes people they're the people pleasers that's me you know like they like to do things for other people to make them feel comfortable and there is a discomfort in saying no or setting a boundary because you can see that that other person is uncomfortable so within being a badass you also have to be uncomfortable with or you have to be comfortable with the other person being uncomfortable and not always accommodating or letting you know letting them step all over you walk all over you um 
shining a light of truth on the situation will will always kind of out a narcissist um and, and then some of it also depends on the current moment too i mean depending on the spirit you're dealing with if it is a really aggressive one it may simply mean you just have to leave mm. yeah yeah and be okay with that yeah but again as you said the people like you and I, or who fall into, let's say, the people-pleasing category or have in the past, yeah, would take on, like, the blame of that. Be yes. like, they need me. You know, the storylines. Well, and, you know, those storylines exist because they've we've been groomed to be that way. <laughs> and we're used to playing out that role. So from an energetic perspective, we also attract that spirit because that spirit actually needs that energy from people, the people pleasers, right? So there is this weird energetic balance that exists there too. <laughs> but at a certain point, if you don't want to continue that, you have to start identifying that for yourself and where those lines are. Like you can still help somebody, but maybe it means I only go till this point and then I say no whatever it is, you know, like, it doesn't mean you never help anybody anymore, but it just means like, what is your boundary around that? What does it look like? When do you take time for yourself? Yeah, that's so tricky because service and contribution is such a human need and it actually fills us up so much. As I'm saying this, I realize, but when you're serving narcissistic spirit, it actually drains you. So maybe that's how you discern whether or not it's really contribution from the heart or contribution drain. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That, that's a really good fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it is hard though. Those boundaries can be really hard. Cause as you said, you have to have clarity about what your boundaries are. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a level of self-reflection that goes in. Yeah. And which ones are non-negotiable, like which boundaries, you know, you absolutely will never negotiate for anybody. And then you could have some boundaries that with certain people there, you know, that's a hard boundary with other people who, who you trust more. Maybe that isn't as firm of a boundary. So some of those might be a little bit bendy and some not. So you have to kind of practice that a bit too. And I think in figuring that out, you might end up pushing too far and then but sometimes that's that's needed when you're recognizing all of this I will say from my own experience sometimes you have to push it all away and really just be really quiet with yourself and taking that space before you can sort of start navigating it again yeah that, that's so true now I'm curious you said that you've had um experiences what happened to you when you were experiencing being in contact with someone who was really embodying the narcissistic spirit yeah i don't want to be like politically correct because i don't want to control your words you can say narcissist obviously um i just i don't love like this the solidification of that you yeah, know that's fair. yeah but you can say whatever you like yeah <laughs> i don't want to be like the left the woke being like you have to say narcissistic spirit or whatever it is like yeah. <laughs> otherwise you're going to offend other yeah. people yeah 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 um I, I, it was very, it's, it's been a learning curve to actually like recognize what narcissism is and then how it's impacted me. So I've like had to like, kind of get to that point where I'm like, oh, like you said, like, you're like, that's what narcissism is. And then you start seeing it everywhere. And then like having to like backtrack throughout your whole life and be like, okay, so when this incident happened, this is what actually was happening. And it wasn't my fault, you know, um, one like really I would say like classic case of the spirit was when it was an office job that I had and um she was um sort of my boss she wasn't like my direct report she was like my client boss I guess but she felt that she was my boss um and and that she was entitled to so where I was working, you could have an earned day off program that was, you know, you work extra hours and you get every so many days off. So my actual boss said to me, which days are you going to take as your days off? And I had said Friday, but then she heard, got light of this and was like, no, no, my team doesn't take earned days off. We work all the days. And I'm like, but I'm not actually part of your team. But she's like, no, you work for me so you're gonna conform to how I have it and I, I this was something like I went back and forth on and my boss 
didn't really know how to hold boundaries to her. So then I wasn't allowed to have them. So, you know, like these sort of things started happening and I was like, I don't understand what this is. And like at the beginning, I was like somebody she really liked and admired and it was so lovely. Like, oh, she was so fun. We got to do all these cool, you know, things. And then, I, you know, I remember I was working on this one project for her. It was like revamping some sort of marketing material. And I had gone back and forth with the designer and blah, 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 and made all these changes she kept asking for. And it was just like ongoing, ongoing and ongoing. And then all of a sudden, I think I was gone on a vacation. I came back and she's, and I just got told she scrapped the whole project. <laughs> just like that. Um, and, um, and like for no, no reason, just no information, just scrapped it. So you're kind of like, well, what's going on? And the more I would press, and not comply, the harder and harder it got for me. Uh, she wasn't so friendly anymore. She wasn't so fun to be with. I was being targeted. Um, and so then it just became, like I didn't understand why that was happening. Like I really truly thought there was something wrong with me, but it was just because I was pushing boundaries and she didn't like that I wasn't complying to how she does things. And I saw tons of problems with how she was using money and, you know, like waste, clearly wasting it, um, having, you know, getting blown places that I didn't think she should be. Her sister worked for her. Like there was tons of stuff that she was getting away with because she would just bully her way through the system and nobody would stand up to her and say, no, like you've crossed so many boundaries and so many lines here. And then eventually I just got shuffled around to a different department because like that was it she couldn't work with me anymore what what happened to you while you were working with her like what were your what was your emotional state and what did you experience um it was um there's a lot of like the gaslighting it, it turns into this self gaslighting if that makes sense it's sort of like she didn't even have to do anything it was like oh no like an action a movement or whatever so then you just internally start kind of like picking yourself apart. Well, I must've done something wrong. There's something wrong with me. Um, I wasn't sleeping, but like Sunday nights, getting ready to go for work. I didn't sleep at all. Um, I started developing different health problems. Like that's something my body has done historically. Um, once I got out of her department, I had two toes had to be operated on, which I think like the um toes typically are like you don't you're having trouble moving <laughs> forward right um uh I, anxiety I my dad at that time was also having some really significant health problems and I had asked for um time off to be with him in the hospital and the like the backflash I got from that was unbearable like <laughs> just so like it, it took a physical and emotional toll on me yeah yeah and and again how do we recognize those signs create boundaries shift things in our life or do whatever we need to do to to have that radical responsibility yeah but also not go down that blaming ourselves so intensely shame spiral either yeah it's that people pleaser bit. And I mean, I was young, like I was 20, 24, 25. Like, again, you don't necessarily have all those tools at that age either. Um, I think I was in therapy at the time and she might've mentioned, well, she's fully and a narcissist. And I was like, <gasps> I just thought it was me. I didn't realize it was actually her. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You didn't realize it was. No, no. You, you fully. See, this is where the radical responsibility gets a little bit sticky because radical responsibility means like recognizing the results of what's taking place and ch and changing the results in some capacity or taking steps towards whatever. But it's not blaming yourself for mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. And I think that's the game that narcissists are good at and how they keep doing what they do and they're so successful because those people pleasers will just sit there in this pool of blame and can't make any movement forward and so then they I mean not to like say win but they're winning when that's happening even yeah. though they're not in the sense of I, I had this realization a while ago where I was like that's not good for people 
to just enable their shitty behaviors. No. There's a different, again, like, let them have free will. But it, throughout my entire life, I've been the one that's enabled so much or, like, changed to try to make everybody happy. And, and that in itself is manipulative. I really reflected on my own manipulative survival mm -hmm. patterns. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you're not holding people accountable for their actions. You're just accommodating them. Um, and I think that is exactly what happened in the workplace. And I think that's what's happening everywhere is there's this lack of accountability for actions now. And so it just can continue to happen. Uh, like, you know, with my example in the workforce, she was never held accountable for how she was acting in the workforce because nobody had the balls to, to hold her accountable or the courage. Um, and then you've got like social media right now where people can just sit on their computers um, or their phones and type horrible things to people. Um, and that's okay. Nobody's holding them accountable because, or they can cancel somebody for having a different opinion of them and nobody's being held accountable for how those actions impact other people. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have said this, you wouldn't, lots of things that are typed, you wouldn't say to someone if you were like looking them no. in the eye. No. Not some of the stuff I've read. <laughs> <laughs> to you guys? No, just like when you're reading posts and stuff, yeah. Just such intense personal attacks. Yes. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, obviously, because at the beginning of this, we started talking about what would be considered controversial now. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some people left some nasty personal comments um, mm -hmm. without knowing either of us and without attacking the content itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. So what does somebody do? Where can somebody go when they start to wake up to maybe being in situations where narcissism is really prevalent? Uh, they can listen to our podcast. <laughs> um, there are uh, some other people, um, some other great YouTube videos by some different people. You can just start searching narcissism. There's lots more content out there now. Um, Brad and Kim do offer coaching sessions through our podcast as well. Um, I think, you know, aside from that, it talking about it with other people is a big piece of the puzzle. Um, and realizing that other people have had similar experiences. There's something about in the healing process of narcissism, like talking to other people, sharing similar stories and realizing that there's a lot of similarities between the stories and having people you need you need to have people validate your experience because I think when you're dealing with narcissism narcissism spirit there's so much gaslighting and so much of this like fantasy that you don't really know where truth lies anymore and when you can talk to somebody and actually talk it out and have somebody who's been through it before um to sort of validate your experiences as being rooted in reality, uh, that's where you can like start finding somewhere to land and ground into and then kind of start healing from there. Which is really what, I mean, that's how we met. We were at a um, gathering of people who aren't into what's going on right now. Yeah. So not around the specific topic of narcissism, but it was nice to talk to different people who we're saying, yeah, no, this is weird. This is crazy. What's yeah. happening? Yeah. And I think that's, that's a validating piece. Cause I think that's why narcissism is so successful. And I think that's why the last two years were so successful you get everybody in their silos. Right. And you, you're only broadcasting one specific message out there. And then you start assuming that everybody else believes this message. And you're told if you don't participate in this message that, you know, there's going to be all these consequences. But then when you actually like have the courage to step out, be a, you know, like to be a badass and to embody, no, this doesn't make sense to me. This isn't my truth. And then start talking to other people. You're like, oh, okay. Like I'm not the only one. And you can start kind of building up again and sitting in reality with some other people. Okay, I have, I have a harder question. I don't know if we have the answer, but I'm curious your thoughts. Because I believe there, there are people who are talking to others and they believe their reality is real, quote unquote, mm -hmm. the other side. Yeah. How do we get 
you know, stable truth? Where, how do you know if you're in alignment with reality? That's a hard question. <laughs> I know. Um, I think one of the biggest pieces is that a truth doesn't mind being questioned. Um, whereas a lie does. Um, <laughs> so I can go with people as well, actually. Yeah. If a person is really defensive at you questioning them. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. really, if if you are t speaking truth and saying, you know, one plus one equals two, which I've, anyways, <laughs> you can go down the math rabbit hole. But um, if that is, you know, a true equation, it doesn't matter how many ways you ask me it, I can still say, no, the answer's two. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to get upset about it because it's just the truth. But if you're speaking something that is rooted in fantasy um, and you start asking questions about it, there's so much fear around that fantasy falling apart that they don't want you to shine a light on it. So they're going to be really aggressive towards you because that's where they're living right now. And the, the fear of the unknown on the other side is too great to look at right now. Right. So there is a lot of this that's based in insecurity, trauma, you know, nervous system deregulation, like a lot of things going on there. Mm -hmm. It is really fantasy, fantasy, fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know if I fully answered the question. I think that's a hard thing. I think um, com more conversations need to be had. Um, uh, and just, but again, like when people are so strongly, and I mean, I'm guilty of it on my side too, because I'm so, you know, like everybody has their own reasons for it. When you're concerned about the people you love's health and safety, you know, on either side, that is a huge fear, right? Um, so if that's where people's fears are routed, it's hard. It's hard because they're coming out of that. And so, but if we can start bringing people together, and talk that would help it would also help i mean on the broader scheme of things if more truth and information was equally shared to everybody people have different information and they only see the information they want to see so then that also doesn't help with the coming together either totally yeah why did you feel so passionate about this topic that you started a podcast and you introduced the brad i think you said but you didn't mm -hmm. talk about the other woman who's yeah. on Kim, yeah. What's what's yeah. Kim's experience or or pull to it? Uh, well, that's uh, for her to share. They share both of their experiences in the podcast, but we've all had like um, uh, experiences personally with narcissism, all different versions of it. Yeah. Is is Kim though? Is she a psychologist as well? I can't remember. No, Kim and I um, uh, formed a company pre-COVID, also called Element Q. And we were teaching uh, emotional intelligence and kind of through that work and teaching about emotions and fear and um, nonverbal communications around emotions, narcissism just kind of started weaving into everything. Um, and that's when we connected with Brad and sort of just started these conversations. And um, Brad has had tons of clients listen to the podcast and that it's really really helped them and we've had lots of different stories of how these podcasts and the information shared has really helped people so then continuing it has just been about doing that I love that okay let's rewind a little bit because I find that fascinating you were working in emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and narcissism started to interweave there and 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 pop up what is the connection between emotional intelligence and narcissism that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to identify the piece of it. Um, well, I mean, for me, my own personal journey, the narcissistic um, spirit was really challenging emotionally. Um, and it's really dysregulating for your emotions because again, if it's not rooted in truth, you're having these emotions um and when you're trying to break it down to sort of see where the like I did a lot of work around emotions like if you're trying to break it down to see where things were caused or why you started feeling this way if narcissism is mixed into it 
it also really it jars the whole story if that makes sense because you think you're you think you're reacting you think well <laughs> you think you're reacting a certain way because of this one event but if narcissism has influenced that one event then it ends up changing like the emotional story of it does that make sense yeah i think so it's yeah. not, you're not dealing with what appears on the surface there's something else yeah how are people who are narcissistic or higher on the narcissistic spectrum, how do they deal with emotions? Um, they, I want to say they don't, but they're mood-based. Um, so uh, if you're in a very, if they're feeling very loving and they're in a love-based mood, then they will be more loving towards you. Um, if something changes or shifts their mood, then they'll be more in that mood base of that emotion. Uh, whereas I would say like a healthier regulated person, it's healthy and normal for emotions to go up and down, um, to not necessarily be specific to a mood that you can have emotional reaction to an event. And you can also be feeling a different emotion for something that happened earlier in the day. It doesn't necessarily mean that that mood of that emotion kind of care like influences how you're navigating everything okay that's really interesting it, it's almost like the there's a mood certainty like where someone's emotionally healthy they can hold space for multiple emotions at one time yeah where it sounds like there's like a one emotion being embodied at a time if that's yeah. the way to put it. it's like a mood yeah and what yeah i think that's accurate what you're saying and if you like and like, that's one thing I think why the narcissistic spirit can be so attractive because in if they're in, and we have an episode called mood-based love about this, if they are in that loving mood, they're going to be amazing to be around. You know, you'll be bombed with so much love and appreciation, affection, and they'll know exactly how to love you. And, you know, it'll feel really, really amazing. But once that mood shifts, that's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. Whereas a healthier person could show affection and love to you, be sad or angry about, you know, and then kind of come back to it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's only going to be when they're in that mood. Wow. So fascinating. I think that narcissism, this topic around narcissism is going to become really popular and it is already increasing in popularity and people are talking about it. And I'm sure at times people are getting it quote unquote wrong or right. And like, we're having conversations because we're trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. But again, I think that this is going to be really a key thing for people to discern and decipher and think about right now. Because mm -hmm. we just yeah. see again, it playing out the micro and the macro on, on yes. the world stage. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I think that's it for me. It's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I was seeing it just in bits and pieces in my personal life and in different interactions and that's one piece of it. And then when you're seeing it out in the bigger stage and you're being inundated with it all the time, it's just like, wow, there's, it's, it's a lot right now. And social media. And I, I think I mentioned this to you on when we were kind of chatting before this, but um, where we're at in this world right now has allowed for this to also balloon out so much. Like if you go back way back to like the stone hit stone caveman days, um, we, I would rely on you to perform your role in the community. We would rely on Bob over there to go get the food for us because that's his job. And if he doesn't get the food, then our kids don't eat. And like everybody has a really vital role and responsibility. So if Bob decided he was going to sleep in that day, well, the whole community is going to hold him accountable because Bob, we need to eat. And if you don't do your job, then like get up or you're out of this, like whatever, I don't know what the consequences would have been, but he would have been held accountable, right? And that you couldn't live in fantasy then because everybody needed to live in reality to survive. Whereas now you can survive in our reality in a fantasy. And in fact, it's celebrated with like virtual yes. reality and where we're going with like, yeah, the online world. Yeah, and it's celebrated in not only in that, but like in the fact that 
people will accommodate and put litter boxes in schools or whatever it is. It's accommodated all these fantasies. So then <laughs> we've kind of got like, we're almost living in a virtual reality in a sense, you well, on many different levels, but you know, we've got all these different fantasies and you're trying to like, oh, negotiate it while you're still wanting to live in your reality. And so it's, it's hard, it's jarring. Oh, it is. It is interesting. Now, I have in fact checked the litter boxes in schools, so we'll just yeah. put a little disclaimer there. Although I have heard that as well, but it could be a rumor. But well, I, if it's I, a rumor, it's an example. Yeah. I. I yeah. 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 I just. Want, I just want to make sure. Um, but I have heard that, and and to be fair, the fact that you and I wouldn't be surprised if that was a thing, a thing. Yeah. That speaks in itself too. Yes, I agree with that. Wow, this is really fascinating. So going back to, because it sounds, this accountability piece is really, really fascinating to me. Because in community that's close-knit, there is accountability, next-level accountability. So where does community, where does community lie in, in this, how do I say it? I feel people are really called to create community right now. We felt really isolated, disconnected. Yes. What is it about community that narcissists either vibe with, don't vibe with, or, because I've heard that narcissists like isolation. Mm -hmm. It's pretty hard to control a community <laughs> if you're being held accountable for your actions. And if you want the community to live in this certain fantasy, it's pretty hard to do. Um. And if a, a healthy community is holding people accountable for their actions, they're not going to be very successful in that community. If it's being run right, you could still honestly have a community where it's very narcissistically led. Um, and that, and I've seen that I was in one where, you know, I, again, it had the framework of being a good community um, where we, you know, I thought we were holding people accountable, but the, sort of the mentor of the community, you couldn't hold her accountable <laughs> to that. Well, you could, it was like a perceived level of accountability you could hold her to. But if you try to like go a little bit further to, you know, and push her past her comfort zone, that wasn't allowed. So again, but uh, we know it inside of our body. Let's just take a second. We know the people we can bring things up to. And yeah. then the people who we're walking on eggshells with. Not to say that everyone we walk on eggshells with is full-blown narcissistic. No. But we know that, and some of that we need to look at. If we're constantly feeling like we're walking on eggshells, that's our, probably our wounding that we need to look at. Yes, agreed. But if you know you're not allowed to say something to someone, even though it might be truth, that's a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm curious if you can, what would be the characteristics of healthy community versus dysfunctional community or narcissistic led community because I, I truly believe this is what we're dealing with on a global scale right now yeah um hmm. okay I, again I, anything could be kind of taken off scheme or taken off I can't think of the word at the moment but um healthy community I would say um there's accountability people can hold each other accountable um everybody has their own boundaries their boundaries are are clear they're respected uh that's another piece too i think you know if you tell me you have a certain boundary it's also my responsibility to respect it and to not push you past that comfort level because then i'm not being accountable to you being the person you want to be within my community um there's more i don't want to say equality or more balance between the people in the community. Everybody has a role, I don't know. It, it, it's, there's more, there's not necessarily a hierarchy, I feel. Cause I think once you get into hierarchies, that's where a lot of the narcissism also comes into play. Well, I'm at the top of the you know, totem pole, I'm the boss, I have the final word. You can, the spirit can influence that a lot more. If you're more on an equal playing ground, like back in the stone, the caveman days, and you all rely on e each other equally, there, you know, that has more of a less chance of nurse. I still think you might need a leader, somebody yeah. to lead the group. I don't think that means there aren't any leaders, um, but I think less 
hierarchical structure is important. Yeah, and like in in the leadership train like training slash books I've read, what I notice is really good leaders want other people to be leaders. Yeah. They don't really need to be needed in that certain kind of way. Yes, good point. And mm -hmm. they want to serve. It's not getting served. Yes. There you go. Yeah. I love leadership. Yeah. I yeah. love healthy leadership. And then of course a dysfunctional community, as you mentioned. I mean, we're living it in so many ways, but there's that hierarchy. Yeah. There's a lot of I think um turning people against, like talking behind there's not like clear communication. Yes. Yeah, that would be a good part. Then there should be clear communication. People should be able to question. Ask questions, have conversations. Like if you're not allowed to ask a question when you have a concern about something and you're told you're a horrible person for asking a question, that's not a healthy community. Um, no. mm -mm. um, you said something else there, but yeah, I think, and also like you're saying when the leaders, when there is power associated with being a leader and there's that, that perceived element of needing to achieve what that is, um, that power, the money, the status, all of that is also narcissistic spirit too. Mm. It's a very different um, feel to it of wanting to be in that position for those reasons versus what you said, to serve, to lead, to inspire, and to be in it together. You know, there's not, not a lot wrong with the whole statement of we're in this together <laughs> in theory, but when it's being twisted and used a different way. Yeah. yeah, I think I did a post where it was like, if we're in this together means we're only in this together if you agree and do everything I tell you to do. Then we're not in this together. Then we're not in this together at all. Then we're literally not in this together. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Is there anything else you feel people need to know? Um, I think the biggest part about it all is that if you're noticing something and something's not right, it doesn't feel right. A lot of the things we've talked about, you're not alone. This is very much more common than we'd all like it to think it is. Um, I bet you, if you talk to a friend about this and brought it up, they've noticed it at some point in their life, you could start having more conversations around it and realize that it's not, it's not you. That's the other part of, part of it. It's not you, you're not to blame. Like you, you have some accountability in it, but when the narcissistic spirit is out there, the story that you may have created around the interactions may not be fully true and it may not all be your fault. Yes, yes. I think that's a good way to put it. It's the, like, yes, you have responsibility. You're not a victim to the situation, but the storylines and how you interpreted what happened and the role you play might get to be questioned. Yes, 100%. This is so, this is a tough topic because we all have people who are living in a narcissistic spirit who we love. Mm -hmm. I think all of us do, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I wanted to do this podcast and I'm sure we'll talk about this more and I want to talk about this topic more because um, it's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, so on that topic. So if you have a loved one that it has the narcissistic spirit and, you know, ultimately no one wins in narcissism, that's really what sucks. Um, I don't have connection with some family members because of it. Um, just because narcissists, the narcissistic spirit has, you know, infiltrated in that relationship and say you've assessed it and decided you need to hold the boundary and not engage in that relationship in the same way doesn't mean you can't stop loving that person. And I think that's kind of the piece of where you're at. Doesn't mean they're a horrible person. Maybe that what they've done to you, like how things have happened have been horrible. It's been painful. It's not healthy for you to continue to, to engage in, but you still get to control how much you love them and you know how you feel about them. And you don't need to let them dictate that to you. Mm. Right, because again, a lot of this is about getting clear on where we're at, not letting the control. And, and again, I, we all embody narcissistic traits. So this is a really good reflection for each of us to say, okay, where am I being really controlling? Mm -hmm. Where am I lacking empathy and compassion? Mm -hmm. Where am I trying to push people around? Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, 
make adjustments for me. And, and engage in compassion for yourself and have forgiveness for yourself too is a really important piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people um, ask the question, do the people who are in, engaging in this narcissistic spirit, do they know what they're doing? Sometimes. Um, yeah, I think sometimes and sometimes not. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when you see it, it's like it's sometimes the spirit really, like I said, it just takes over the person. Um, and it's just sort of like I've, I've heard it described as like this, just this intense chemical, like overtaking. I mean, you could elaborate. There's different reasons for it, you know, but like I've just heard people describe it as that. And like when that happens. I don't think that that true per essence of that person is in control in that moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. So then that becomes the really challenging piece because you're seeing it um, happen to that person you love, but that spirit is hurting you, um, but you still want to have empathy for them. And that's where the boundaries come in and you need to have those clear boundaries. So if you see that spirit taking over that person you love, you need to find a way to step out of it and keep yourself safe doesn't mean they're always going to be in that spirit if you know they come in and out of it and then have compassion for yourself for needing to do what's best for yourself in that moment too yeah i know it's an individual an individual journey for people but how do you know is there any markers of when you're there to show up and love this person and have those boundaries and be with them versus um, cutting them out of your life or making a very, a more intense boundary? Um, I think when you get to the point where you've recognized what's happening, the spirit's there, you try to set boundaries. A lot of times that narcissistic spirit will actually cut and run from you when you mm -hmm. start setting the boundaries um, and will blame you and that it's all your fault. So that's another thing to look at. Like that, that's pretty typical. You start setting boundaries, they will cut and run because they can't get that same feed in exchange from you. Um, so I think in that case, the really hard part for the person setting the boundaries is to learn to recognize what's actually happening and to not go running back to try to get them to come. Because you've set a boundary for a reason. If they, what they choose to do with that boundary is their decision. Yeah, and then for us people pleasers, or I don't even want to say that anymore because I'm shifting out of that. That's not a part of my <laughs> life anymore. COVID helped with that because you start speaking out and having everyone mad at you. You're not a people pleaser anymore. That's true. But, That's but um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it's to not think I've been rejected mm -hmm. and yeah, not to exactly. take it personally in a certain way. It's very hard, especially if it's a family member, good friend, whatever it is, right? Um, yeah. And, you yeah, and, and this was this was with um, something else. I was watching Brendan Burchard do a talk and he said, don't get so consumed with cutting negative people out of your life. Just become more positive, hang out with people who are positive, set those boundaries, and then the, the negativity will shift. Yes. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think people do get a little obsessed about like, I'm going to cut people out. That's not my jam. But as you said, again, when you start to make those changes in your life and set the boundaries that are authentic to you not just narcissistic spirit not just narcissistic people but your life will shift and and um change yeah yeah and yeah that's just it you may not actually like this whole idea of cutting people out you may not actually have to cut them out you, you just start setting boundaries and behaving differently that's more true and authentic to who you want to be and they'll start shifting where they need to go yeah and then again if because I'm, I'm a helpless optimist. Helpless? Hopeless. What? I, I, don't even, I don't even know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm optimistic. I believe in healing. I believe yeah. in miraculous healing. And if you're setting those boundaries and they start to adjust and heal, like, I think that does happen. Yes. From the research I've done, that's not the norm at this time. Mm -hmm. But I also think as a society, we get to take responsibility for that. Because if we're not making those boundaries and keeping people accountable, they go off the rails. That's where we're at right now. And yeah. 
And what started as maybe a little bit of narcissism energy grows and grows and grows. It's like it's contagious. Yeah. So yeah. I I don't buy in that it's like someone's born that way, that it's fixed. Maybe. Maybe there's a small percentage of the population that, I mean, we're talking psychopaths and sociopaths here. Yeah, those are different spectrums. Yes. Exactly. But I think it's also like the more we step into our true alignment empowerment, like it helps. It helps diminish the narcissistic energy. I agree with that. And I think you're kind of talking about there's two different levels of it. There's, you know, like you're saying, this psychopath, sociopath. There's the, I would say, the, you know, the narcissists that really have tick all the boxes that um, lack the capacity for empathy. That is going to be a harder change than, you know, the general population that has been infiltrated with the spirit and is being prompted to and rewarded for that use of that spirit that's blown out. So you kind of have like two things. And I think that what we're living in, that's the part we could change, like you're saying, is that spirit that is kind of multiplying. Yeah. And if you have a bunch of people who are really strong in who they are and accountable and have clear boundaries, even psychopaths and sociopaths don't stand a chance in some ways. Yeah. Again, that's part of the discernment and the learning, but someone who yeah builds that discernment they're they're better at you know boundaries yeah 100 percent. amazing oh my gosh this has been such a cool conversation i ask all my interviews this um i'm curious what's the biggest lie you once believed i knew you're gonna ask me that and i was all day i was like hum dum 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 um uh, well it's connected to narcissism a bit but just this whole belief that people are truly good hearted people <laughs> <laughs> gonna blow this is gonna blow people's minds yeah okay I you know like I had this belief that people felt and saw the world the same way I did and came from good intentions and to realize that really isn't the case was a really big lie um and that shifted how I've seen the world and I mean again like with the COVID thing you the lie I believed was that these politicians celebrities you know the Bill Gates of the world had our best intentions at heart and we're good people and they're not that's a pretty big lie. Yeah, and I like how you actually boiled it down because lots of people have said that those in power have our best interests at heart, but you're saying, yeah, the realization that there are people who don't have others' best interests at heart. Yeah. And they can be in your own life. Yes. And you could love them. Yeah. That's yeah, a... that is... yeah. You know what's wild is what I've noticed is lots of people in that state and looking back on um, people in my life, they often think they have a good heart and that they do actually have your best interests at heart. That's what's odd too. Some people really believe that they're coming from a good place, but the evidence shows otherwise. And I think I've done that in my life too. So it is a yes. yeah. Yeah, fascinating thing. Just because your definition of what is their best interest doesn't also mean it's in their best interest. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's the enabler pattern too, though. And that's why I think enabling energy and narcissistic energy is very similar. Mm-hmm. There's different, different characteristics, but very similar. Yeah. Different intentions behind them possibly too. Yeah. Right. But a similar outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think it boils down to, again, that control factor. Both people are trying to change and control the other one. Okay. This has been so fun, Jackie. Thanks for joining me. One more time, let people know about your podcast. I'll add the links in here when this comes out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a neo-narcissism podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website is neonarcissism.tv. And we have the episodes on there too. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you.